Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? I am fantastic, my friend. I'm excited about today's conversation and today's episode. I think it's going to be really impactful. We're going to be talking about higher protein intermittent fasting when compared to a heart-healthy diet or caloric restriction and in terms of what type of weight loss results that they can get. So Mm. this is right in our wheelhouse of adapting articles and research like this and the results that these folks get to a real-life situation. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, We want to welcome you in. Thanks for giving us a shot and adding us into your fasting journey and your weight loss and health journey. If you want to learn more about Tommy and I, you can head back to episode one. You'll hear more about our story and how fasting has completely transformed and revolutionized our lives. It gives you some insight into why we do what we do each and every week inside of our coaching programs, challenges, masterclasses, all of the resources we have, et cetera. So yeah. special shout out to the OGs too, Tommy. If you've shout been with out. us for a while, we appreciate you listening in. We appreciate your reviews. If you feel so inclined, please go ahead and drop us a five-star review. Those are yes. indeed our, our favorites, if you Love could em. guess. Love Luckily, em. we have lots of them because that continues <laughs> to tell the podcast world and the, the podcast powers it be that we are delivering value to you, the listener. So we want you to walk away today with something actionable, right? We don't, you don't need more information. You don't need more knowledge. You don't need more access to that information because we have it all literally in front of our faces or in our pockets 24-7, right? Since the iPhone and Android and connection to the... I'm going to date myself here. The interwebs, Uh the World Wide Web, right? (laughs) Just remember back... I know, right? Yeah. Um, ChatGPT can get it for you, right? No, don't. (laughs) I don't even want to talk. My head's going to explode. But this is a fasting (laughs) podcast. So let's dive into this conversation, Tommy. And this article is really cool because it is going to be looking at intermittent fasting and protein pacing and how they are superior to a caloric restriction or a heart healthy diet that was followed by the control group. We'll unpack some of that stuff here in just a minute. But most importantly, we're going to be looking at the visceral fat loss, okay? Mm. If you are new, visceral fat is the bad fat. It's the fat that is inside of our organs that is inside of our organs. You can have fatty liver and fatty pancreas and those types of things. But what I meant to say was in between our organs, in that centrally located, increased waist circumference type area... And that fat is the stuff that surrounds those organs in between. And that's the stuff that really drives disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and a lot of metabolic dysfunction in disease building processes in our body. So we want to reduce visceral fat, which has been my recent journey, really focusing on the visceral fat number through DEXA scans and not so much really caring about what the scale says. Now, yes, I want to keep seeing it go down so I can get into a healthier weight range and 
be leaner and have more better healthy body composition. But ideally for me is getting rid of that visceral fat is now my goal with a fasting lifestyle. So there's a lot of positive stuff that comes out of this study, Tommy. But first and foremost, what is protein pacing? Because at first I was like, what do they actually mean by that? Yeah. So it's one way to think about actually prioritizing your protein, which you'll hear us say that a lot. Sounds familiar, right? Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) But you know what we see, what the data is showing us just time after time after time is that when we prioritize protein and instead of it being like an afterthought or like, well, however much kind of is on my plate after I put everything else on there, it's filling, right? It takes more work to eat. It takes longer to eat chicken breast than it does like a piece of bread, even for the same number of calories. I'm going to feel fuller. It's going to be more expensive, right? Protein is going to be a lot more expensive than processed carbohydrates. Let's just be 100% honest. But at the same time, if I'm prioritizing it, even like going from, let's say 15% of my plate or 15% of my calories up to 25% of my calories, the, the data shows there is a very different metabolic physiological effect going to be different on my waistline. It's going to be different for my satiation, my fullness. The impact on my next fast is going to be vastly different. It's going to make my next fast easier, more comfortable to go through, especially when compared to processed carbohydrates or really any carbohydrates. But protein pacing specifically is where I start there with the prioritization of the protein. But then I also think about, okay, if I'm bringing in, let's say 30% of my calories are going to be roughly from protein, then If I'm going to have three meals in a day, then spacing that out, roughly 10% are going to be coming in from each one of those three meals. If I'm on an OMAD type schedule, then I'm going to put those all into one meal or maybe two smaller meals across like three or four hour window. However, you're, you're breaking it up, whether you're intentionally fasting that day or not, it would be spacing it out so that you do prioritize it and you get your protein intake and it takes priority on your plate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So this is something that used to be kind of just thought of back in the day as something that like athletes would do, right? But it's really beneficial for everybody. And we, when we're looking at this, we want to be able to make sure that we are gaining or at least maintaining our lean muscle tissue while we lose fat. We don't want to lose both in the weight loss. But now you do lose a little bit sometimes depending on your situation and your metabolic health and your hormone levels and all that kind of stuff. But you know, that's why minimize one of the things it, about, right? yeah, minimize it as much as possible. That's why one of these weight loss medications that have become very popular recently that were approved for diabetes, type 2 diabetes that are being used for weight loss, mm-hmm. they have been shown to have a massive decrease in lean body tissue when you come off of the medication. So you do mm-hmm. lose the weight, but you lose the actual thing that we want, which is a healthy body composition and that lean muscle mass. So yeah, protein pacing is, I mean, yeah, we can get really particular about well, how many meals and how much like you were starting to break that down. But it's really for us is one of the questions we get a lot is, okay, what, what should my plate look like? And how long should my fast be? Right? How often should yeah. I do a burn day? How often should I do an extended fast? Right? So there's a couple of things here in this study that I want to highlight first and foremost in terms of results. And then I want to come back to the recommendations that we make that are in our blueprint to fasting for fat loss, you can head to the show notes, click the link. We'll zoom it into your inbox across those interwebs that we mentioned earlier. And you can have it. And it talks about you know what your plate should look like and what a fasting frequency should be. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are the two biggest questions we get. But that is only one small piece of the fasting lifestyle application. So mm-hmm. this study really was looking at 
some of the things that we teach, that we do, that we believe are the best way to lose weight and in the process, you know, get healthy or, or move those important blood marker metrics. So when we're looking at these two groups, Tommy, we have a heart healthy diet, right? Compared to an intermittent fasting and protein pacing group. So they're going to be looking at the primary outcomes in body weight and body composition, blood lipids, fasting glucose, insulin, blood pressure, IGF-1, which is a cool little growth hormone promoting lean muscle tissue preserving uh, chemical that is Mm -hmm. stimulated when we eat, which is especially protein. And then you've got glucagon ghrelin, which is a hunger hormone. And it's really cool to see what happened during the study. So the heart healthy group, Women were 1,200 kilocals per day. Men were 1,500. But here's the crazy part about that heart healthy group is there's a couple of things in here that we don't agree with is that they were looking at a 50 to 60% of the calories from carbohydrates, 35, mm-hmm. less than 35% fat, and then the remaining calories allotted to protein. Yeah. Now, if you follow the food pyramid or if you follow the diabetes you know, ADA guidelines or recommendations in terms of managing, not reversing diabetes or blood sugar issues, they really focus on this lower fat, you know, watch your cholesterol, get your fiber in. And the crazy thing is here, the only requirement here was less than 50 grams of sugar in this heart healthy control group. But here's yeah. a couple of things that are wrong. The cholesterol you eat doesn't end up as the cholesterol in your bloodstream. And, right. <laughs> and the number one driver of increased cholesterol is carbohydrates and sugars and alcohol. Yeah. So right. I'm like, okay, well, first and foremost, we already know which group's going to win, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, it was baked into the design a little bit here. You know, but the cool thing is that is very much like on pace for average numbers, you yeah. know, that we see. It's, if we, yeah, if it's we a sample like, size of standard American yeah, population. Standard American sure. diet, you know, and, and but they I labeled mean, it, it heart healthy. I know heart healthy. Yeah. Okay, I, <laughs> like it's not, it's not heart healthy. But at the same time, when we compare it to the protein pacing group, what they did was they they kind of normalized or equalized the calories going across the week because they did put one to two fasting days in there in the intermittent fasting and protein pacing group, but it equaled out roughly across the week. And actually in the caloric restriction group, they had a little bit more that they were burning from from exercise. And in the intermittent fasting and protein pacing, they ended up actually consuming a little bit more on the calorie side too. So like several hundred additional calories each day. And so that's also cool to note when we see how interesting the results were and the fact that they were actually, you know, taking in a little bit more, but when the composition of those calories that they were actually bringing in, when it's strategic, especially in the way that we can prioritize protein, it leads to some cool results because there are physiological balances kind of at work there. So this schedule that they used in the intermittent fasting protein pacing group, two big things that we always say is prioritize protein. First and foremost, minimum mm-hmm. 0.7 grams per pound of body, goal body weight, right? In your fat loss journey. Mm-hmm. We've been saying that forever. We also say, make your plate look about 40-40-20. 40% fat, 40% protein, and 20% carbohydrate. Well, in the IF group, they did 35-35-30. And we're like, nice. okay, now we're getting somewhere, right? Right. But between the two groups, there were two groups in the IF protein group. And there was another study that they referenced on this because it was a long-term follow-up study where they'd already done a randomized controlled study on intermittent fasting protocols. The IF one group had one day of about 18 hours of fasting. And then the IF two group had two total days of for a total fasting hours of about 36 hours. So 
This in really falls in, in a week. Yeah, this mm-hmm. falls into the 5-2 diet or the ADF type alternate day fasting or modified mm. alternate day fasting schedules that we've spoken about. We've done episodes on. We love ADF. We actually love OMAD. We love all the different variations depending on what, what is fasting. We love it. <laughs> yeah. Great. What is a sustainable yeah. outcome for you, right? Like mm-hmm. weight loss maintenance starts on day one of your new weight loss journey, right? Yeah. And with fasting, yeah. it's pretty eye-opening. Not when you hit the goal weight, yeah. right? No. <laughs> yeah. You got to start thinking about this stuff, right? So yeah. The IF2 group, though, the day that had the additional day of fasting, go figure, had 29% greater reduction in body weight and 38% greater reduction in waist circumference. Okay. Wow. On our website, we have a resource called the Insulin Assessment. On the Mm -hmm. back side, on page two, it talks about waist circumference, which is an indicator of insulin resistance, which is the driver of metabolic disease Mm -hmm. and weight loss resistance and blood sugar issues and cardiometabolic health, all the other stuff that's connected to it. And it also talks about waist, height to waist ratio yep. as a marker of metabolic health, right? Not necessarily what is my LDL on my blood panel, but what are some real life applications of you know, a healthier individual, a healthier system? Well, mm-hmm. 29% greater reduction in body weight and a 38% greater reduction. So they group both of those together for this article, which I found interesting because the IF2 group was definitely doing more of the heavy lifting, right? <laughs> you know, the, the visceral fat is pretty interesting too, because it's all concentrated in the belly. So like the waist height ratio, I had a problem like internalizing that for so many years while I was having a lack of success doing caloric restriction, because mm-hmm. it was one of those things just like BMI, where it would kind of, it felt like, well, yeah, but it doesn't really like take into account some individual differences. It's not a great measurement of. Sure. Because that feeling like, yeah, we know. Yeah. But at the same time. Don't um, label me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it feels like that. It's like, like I had an ego block on part of that internalization of what it meant for me. But the interesting thing to note is that, you know, like visceral fat, is centralized, you know, localized, it's deep in the belly, it's around the organs. And so the actual physiological response to that fat is almost like, I mean, it is jamming up the systems. Like it is it is really messing with stuff and it's making your belly stick out. It is like the root cause of why the waist to height ratio and insulin resistance are are so like they're so intricately linked too. Right, right, right. For sure. I don't want to bury the lead here because we haven't shared mm-hmm. the results yet. Okay. Right. So we talked about the two intermittent fasting schedules, right? That were in the IFP group, prioritizing Mm -hmm. protein and, or it was 0.12 to 0.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight, excuse me, per meal, right? I just messed that up because our recommendations are 0.7 per pound of goal body weight. We did a whole episode on protein in the past. When we're looking at the IFP group versus the heart healthy calorie restriction group, the body weight reduction, right, was 8.2 versus 5.0 kilograms in favor of the intermittent fasting group. Yeah. Wow. A total body fat reduction of 8.5% versus 4.3. So double. So nearly 40% of body weight, right? Better outcomes. Mm-hmm. A doubling of the total body fat percentage. And here's the kicker. The visceral fat, 33% reduction in the fasting group versus 16.8 in the calorie restriction group. 
Wow. Another doubling right there. A double and fat free yeah. mass to body weight ratio, right? So the, the good, healthy, lean tissue increased of 5.7 versus three. So almost again, two times as much. That's awesome. So in all the groups, blood pressure improved. You're, you're decreasing calories. You're going to decrease weight. Your blood pressure is going to improve. Your blood lipids are going to improve. Really cool to see that a couple of the... How do I say this, Tommy? So there's confusion around what should I be eating? Right. So when mm -hmm. you come to fasting, oh, I thought I could just eat whatever I want. Yeah. You can, right? For a short period of time. But if we're going to sure. really talk about health and getting our bodies healthy, then we're going to need to eventually talk about what that food relationship is. Yeah. And learning how to, I know this is going to sound so cliche, but doing things in moderation. Hmm. Moderation's an interesting word because, like, even fasting is considered like not moderate by a lot of folks. Like, tell somebody that you're fasting, right? Like, why do we have the first two rules of fasting? Right. Don't talk about fasting and don't talk about fasting because as soon as you say fasting to someone who is uninformed or who's never uninformed about fasting rather, or inexperienced with fasting, they can immediately think, well, that sounds very drastic. Whereas caloric restriction to them feels moderate, you know? And so it feels like this kind of extreme thing. But when we're looking at like putting the tools together to actually, you know, get good results, and to get better results than whatever I was getting in the past, or like for us, caloric restriction just was working less and less and less over time to where eventually it felt like it, it really wasn't working at all. Because every time I got off of a diet, it was like, I'm like worse off than, than where I was the last time, you know? And so the, the, the cycle of, of madness kind of continues. So as we're working on like stacking these, these things up and we, we see what we can do with one fasting day a week versus two fasting days a week. And then even just a, a relatively moderate quote unquote change in the, in the prioritization of protein and how this can lead to drastically different results means that that question that we get, especially from a lot of first time pastors, which is, well, do I have to change everything that's on my plate? Can I just continue to eat what, what I've been eating? A lot of times the foods that that kind of brought us here to needing to lose some weight and balance out blood sugar and insulin are not going to be serving our long-term health goals at the same time we we can be so ingrained and like they can be like habitual parts of what we do we have emotional connections to these things all, all this kind of stuff so it can be hard to like change everything all at once also that can feel very unsustainable anyway so but but as we start to stack these things on top of each other it can be a very powerful formula and with fasting reps, it can get easier over time as well. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two year old, has not slept consistently through the night. Uh, since he was born, we have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is, uh, we we're pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. 
And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air, air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors. And we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. And don't worry if you guys are listening, you're driving, you're on a walk, you're walking your dog, you're listening, you're you know, I wouldn't listen before you go to bed. This would keep me awake because I'd start thinking, just go grab the blueprint. Everything like this is a really cool conversation because everything that we this is kind of proving some of the stuff that we've been seeing. So yeah. like right now inside of the VIP coaching group, we're doing a nutrition feedback week where, mm -hmm. hey, post your meal. Right. And there's so many ahas where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing low carb and I'm prioritizing protein. And then we look at what's been shared and we're like, no, right. no, you're not. Right. But, yeah. but it's so confusing because there's so much information and or misinformation out there. Sure. And that, oh, fasting, you're starving yourself. Well, why would you do that? You know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I want to focus on protein as a macronutrient. There's three macronutrients, right? Protein has the best bang for its buck in terms of afterburn. When you ingest protein, your body is going to increase its thermic burn on that and burn more calories yeah. with the protein ingested. But that's just part of the cool process here is that protein is going to stimulate IGF-1, which is going to stimulate growth hormone. When you fast, you automatically get a boost in growth hormone. Mm -hmm. Growth hormone protects your lean body mass and your lean tissue. So you're not going to ever worry about the, oh, I'm going to use my muscle for energy, right? right. You got 100 pounds to lose. Let's get the dang weight off first before we start worrying about a couple percentage points here or there, right? Because mm -hmm. yeah. you're going to get the health outcomes, which is why we want to lose weight. We don't just want to lose weight because we are told that we need to lose weight. We want to lose weight because we want to be healthy. We want to be confident. We want to feel yeah. good, right? We want to prevent Enjoy disease, right? More. So, yeah. yeah. So the cool thing about this protein macronutrient is it's satiety, right? So mm -hmm. we talked about the reductions in weight, right? The doubling of the fasting group versus the calorie restriction heart healthy group. And then the visceral fat, 33% versus 14, right? My favorite one out of all of this is not the increase in fat-free mass, 6% versus 3%, but is the desire to eat between these two groups. Okay, what do I eat? 
how do I break my fast? What should my fasting window be? Go get the blueprint. We talk about it over 170 something episodes. Yeah, I know. If we could catalog them and distill it down into like a white paper, maybe we should do that. Here you go. Yeah. Right. Right. But one of the hardest things we hear is that, well, well, I'm hungry. My stomach's growling. Mm. Okay. You got a bunch of stored energy. You don't need to eat. You want to eat. Mm. But the desire to eat between these two groups, it went down 17%, 17% versus up 1% in the heart healthy calorie restriction group. Tommy, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it really is because your stomach can get loud. Wait, I'm eating re- less, but I'm less hungry? <laughs> right? Yeah. No, no, no. You're selling me. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not no, buying it. <laughs> I'm not buying it. Too good to be true. Yeah. You know, when when things start to balance out, especially when I'm prioritizing protein, I have this this cool system that's going on. I have ghrelin involved, growl, the stomach growling. We talked about that a couple episodes back. And yeah, right. And you know, so the the fact that we can get things balanced a little bit better just by optimizing what we're putting on our plate, that's a pretty powerful thing because so I'm going to use the more extreme example, which would be processed carbohydrates versus a protein because like thermic effect, you just talked about it for protein mm-hmm. highest. Well, okay. Guess where it's lowest, right? Processed carbohydrates because they're already so highly processed. Like think of the machinery that went into actually like milling the flour and like doing all of the stuff that's involved, highly engineered foods, processed foods, right? For protein, my body literally has to do that instead of other outside machinery. It creates a lot of burn in that process. Well, it also leads to some of the things like that we were actually designed, our bodies were actually designed to do. And so we get this natural cascade, including ghrelin balancing, which is a really cool thing. So a lot of our perceived hunger is not because we need to bring in more fuel. Cause like you said, if I have a hundred pounds to lose, I got, I got a lot of fuel on the body. It's just, it's tapping into it. There's 50,000 stored calories. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's literally these hormonal imbalances that can give me the wrong cues, the wrong signals telling me that I'm hungry when really I need to be tapping into some of those long-term fat stores. During this study, there's a couple of limitations. One, the majority of the study was paid for and or organized and overseen by isogenics. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we look at this, the feeling of hunger went down 17% in the fasting group and it went up 1% in the calorie restriction heart healthy group, right? So if we look at the actual blood markers for ghrelin, which is the growl hunger hormone, both groups went up. Mm. It went up twice as much in the calorie restriction group, but Uh. it was reported 17% less in the outcome assessments in week nine, Mm. right? IGF, right? Which is what we want, stayed the same in the calorie restriction group. IGF protects our lean tissue. It went up 15% in the fasting group. Nice. Here's the kicker. CGM, right? I Mm. wish they would have been wearing it because glucose and insulin stayed about the same for eight weeks. Yeah. But they were eating three meals a day plus snacks on the non-fasting days in the intermittent fasting protein pacing group. Yeah. Okay. A lot of opportunities. Yeah. Either five or six days a week. Mm. We know which group did better. Okay. Because (laughs) of the other article we mentioned. The multiple day fasting group did better just in case Mm. you got to the episode late or you toned us out for a minute. But they also, on their fasting days, had 400 calories of isogenic type products, like little Mm -hmm. crackers and a shake and some bone broth and some chocolate squares. 
yeah. So this is more of like an eight, a modified alternate day fast where you can have five or 600 calories for women versus men, mm-hmm. right? Which is an easier way to wade into sure. longer, more extended fast. We have a better plan in the blueprint. If you want to see it, it's a free resource, go grab it, head to the show notes, click the link, and we'll zoom it into your inbox. But The thing here was the glucose and the insulin didn't change over the eight weeks. And those are some of the reasons why, because you were constantly stimulating, Mm. right? So you could be doing a lot of things right, and you could see the scale moving down, which you did, and your hunger is less, but are we making true metabolic change? When you see visceral fat numbers decrease, the answer is unequivocally yes. And one of the things they mentioned, they mentioned here in part of the discussion IF is associated with improved body composition, right? So mm-hmm. reductions in total and visceral fat mass that may result in enhanced metabolic switching. This is where we talk about going from a sugar burner to a fat burner and getting into ketosis, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cardiometabolic health outcomes. The switching is characterized by increased fat oxidation, which the study proves, ketone synthesis, which means your body's producing healthy ketones, increases in insulin sensitivity, increases in autophagy, your body's repairing as well as reduced inflammation, oxidative stress, and enhanced lean body mass. Most IF Mm. regimens focus on the timing and the quantity of calories consumed. Here's the kicker, because this is what we preach. And de-emphasize the nutritional quality of the overall diet, which is, hey, we need to do protein pacing. We need higher protein and reduced sugar and highly processed carbohydrates. So I just love that in their actual like summary and discussion, is what we do and preach and live because honestly, what we found is the only way for us to get sustainable results. Yeah, yeah. Your food quality matters. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Does it have to be perfect? No. No. Is it it ever going to be perfect? No. Or perfect all the time? No. Or what about right at the very beginning and trying not to change too many things at once? Don't care as much. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay. But don't be surprised If at some point you're still fasting or maybe you're even doing more fasting or you're doing longer fasting, but what you were doing in the past, just, ah, I'm stalled, you know? And like, that's where a good push outside of your comfort zone can really come in. So quick shout out plug for the upcoming challenge, right? We got a challenge coming up. Oh, that's right. We do. Because that can be a way to get outside of your comfort zone right there. So I want to mention the 80-20 rule. Okay. Here, as a shameless plug for the challenge, you want to accelerate your results, <laughs> come join us, okay? Yeah. 80-20 rule. For many events, roughly 80%, this is Pareto's law, 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. So therefore, mm. 20% of the effort produces 80% of the results, but the last 20% of the results consumes 80% of the effort. <laughs> so what that just, I know, right? Word vomit. Right. Let me explain it. 20% of the effort produces 80% of the results. So any of you out there been fasting and you feel like you are white knuckling it and you're just like, ah, I get some and then it comes back and I'm off and I'm on or I'm freelancing or the weekends or, or life yeah. or stress or cravings or hunger. Right. We get it. Been there. But focusing on that 80% in the beginning, say you're, I'm not speaking to the people that are a few pounds away from maintenance. Mm. Not talking to y'all right now, but I will in a second. <laughs> If you're on your journey, you've lost 10 of 20, 20 of 40, 30 of 60, 50 of 100, Mm -hmm. right? Focusing on the 80% isn't going to produce that 20%. Mm. You need to be doing 20%, that specific, what moves the needle, what dials it in, just like this article was talking about. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to get you 80% of the way there. Then you got to use those same tools when you get closer to maintenance and adapt your fasting lifestyle. So then the last 20%, you know, it's always, it's always the hardest to get rid of those last sure. few pounds. Yeah. Because you got to keep doing everything that you were doing right. Plus, you got to figure out how to change it. And then you got to step it up a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Right. So I want to encourage most of you that are listening right now that the 80% of the stuff you're doing doesn't need to be done. We need to focus on that 20%. And that's what we're going to do in the challenge coming up in a couple of weeks, Tommy. So yeah, I love this conversation. I love this study. I love the outcomes. More fasting. Go fasting. Go protein. Go (laughs) go grab the blueprint if you're like, wow, that was a lot. All the numbers and stuff we talked about in fasting schedules, it's in there. It's yours. Free resource. We'll send it to you. You can have it. You'll get a notification when we update it and we do additional versions. We'll blast it out to everybody because mm-hmm. it's something that we just came up with this year, realizing that there was a big gap between, you know, oh, I'm going to dabble in intermittent fasting to sustainable fasting results and a lifestyle. Sure. Yeah. So it's something that we came out with in January that that's been really just impactful from the feedback that we've gotten, Tommy. So yeah. one big takeaway for someone that listened today, Tommy, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Other than mm-hmm. going to grab the blueprint, maybe joining us on the challenge. What is one thing that you can literally like hang up or, you know, close the app? I said, hang up, like we're on a landline, uh, close, close, <laughs> close the app, right? Turn off the shut telegraph it, Shut machine, it down for yeah. the day. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. get the microfiche, the, v, the, the eight track, right? Take the needle off the record player. Okay. I'm done. What's one thing they can do? One thing that you can do is take a proactive step for your next meal, right? Like, yeah. like just think about, okay. So if step one is like setting your fasting timer, whether that's 12 hours or, or 24 hours or, or whatever it might be for you today, step number two would be, okay, when I am going to break that fast, what's going to be on my plate? Because it will matter. It's going to matter yeah. how you feel. It's going to matter the quality and the likelihood of your success for the next fast after that, as well as for your visceral fat, for your lean tissue, and for your cardiometabolic health. What's it, what, what does it look like? So how can you better prioritize protein for that next meal and make sure that you are taking one step forward towards a better, more optimal plate when you do go to break your fast, because that's a nutrition opportunity. Don't take it for granted because when you're fasting, you have less opportunities to bring in good nutrition. So make sure you're really thinking about it and being intentional about the the nutrition that you're bringing in. So what I just heard there was eat the ribeye. Heck yeah. Add a few eggs. Medium rare. If you're going to get the salad, double the protein. Mm. Get the double blackened chicken breast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Usually eat half a chicken breast and then fill the plate up with veggies and maybe some starches, right? Well, sure. let's let's fill the plate up with protein first. Mm. And just do it for a few days and see how you feel. Protein's your oxygen mask, you know? Put your oxygen I love mask it. on first. Yeah, right? Oh, man. Yeah. It's so... I had a big steak last night, not going to lie. Before bed, yeah. I was like, you're right. I'm like, man, I'm just full. That was like a 20-ounce marbled sirloin. I was like, oh my goodness. Yum. She's like, well, I'm I didn't hungry. see any leftover. I was like, no, see, that's not how this works. All right. Tommy, <laughs> great conversation today, sir. Appreciate it as always. We'll see you guys on the inside. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.